Food is more than a commodity. It's also a community. What you eat literally becomes you. Every bite connects you to the whole world. Ocean Robbins. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Earth Body, the podcast where spirituality, wellness, and environmentalism meet. I am very, very excited to be here with you all today and have an incredibly special guest. Her name is Hannah Flanders, and she is the Director of Communications at Kearsarge Food Hub in Bradford, New Hampshire. I was connected to this lovely woman through a dear friend of mine who I met doing environmental and sustainability work in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I have had the deep pleasure of being introduced to an incredible group of friends and peers who have created this really amazing project in Bradford, New Hampshire, which we're going to talk about a lot today. So welcome, Hannah. Thank you for having me, Maya. (laughs) Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited to personally learn about all of this and to be able to share it too. So we're going to get into a lot today. We're going to talk about the local food movement and how Hannah has and all of her amazing friends have been such a big part of it in this area of the world and also about how friendship plays a role in that and the biggest aspect for me that I just love about all of it is the community effort and the community support and and whatever else comes out will come out. So you mind giving myself and whoever is listening a little bit of a history behind the farm stand and the inn and the whole process. Sure, yeah, the Kearsarge Food Hub is a very complicated structure. It arose about four years ago, um, just meetings with friends here in our hometown. Bradford is connected to several other towns that all went to the same high school, so a bunch of high school friends, you know, we graduated from college and we're you know, feeling a little down, a little distraught. We're seeing a lot of seemingly insurmountable issues all around the world, you know, climate change and public health concerns and economic inequality. And all of us really figured out that there's a pattern beneath all of those issues, and that's um, industrial food production. Absolutely. Yeah. So we had all these dinners, you know, we're eating together and we're brainstorming and we're, you know, getting a little angry, a little fired up together. And we're like, well, we got to do something about it. Mm. And what we all kind of came to was local food production and localizing our food system as much as possible. And with that, we all knew intrinsically that there would be a reconnection on the community level because all of a sudden you're looking to your neighbors for your food and for, mm. you know, at the local market. And we really wanted to bring that back home. So good. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome, but it was also was really amorphous for a long time. Mm. So it was all kind of all these great ideas, but not exactly sure. And so what we, we landed on to, to put some practicality to all of our, all of our big ideas was to build a farm stand and start a small farm. In Bradford and it was like hallelujah we have something that we can actually do and get our hands dirty you know reclaiming the knowledge of how to grow our own food through mm. through running a small farm um, and building a farm stand where we could meet all the other farmers producers in our area collect their goods sell their goods along with our own goods through the farm stand um, so we basically built everything from scratch. Wow. Yeah, it was very stimulating. It was um, about five of us who co-founded the business, and all of us brought a different skill set. And we found That's so cool. 
we found that, you know, oh, I'll take on this task. Oh, I can build the, you know, stand. Oh, my dad knows this architect who is willing to donate plans for the farm stand. Oh, we know this neighbor here in Bradford who has half an acre of land and he always wanted it to be farmed, but yeah. doesn't have the time. You know, these kinds of little pieces all started to kind of come together. And we were like, okay, this, the stars are aligned for us here. Um, yeah. So in, this was um, the, the winter into the spring of, 2014 no 2015 um and so we built the farm stand we cultivated about an acre and a half of land total all on plots donated to us by community members Uh, like i said the plans for the farm stand were donated so really we didn't take out any giant loans you know we didn't write up a giant business plan and kind of put all of our eggs into that basket what we did was we we opened up our idea to the community we saw what came back back our way and, and piece it together mm. I, that was, it was incredibly stimulating it's still incredibly stimulating because that's kind of our business model um is being flexible and open to the opportunities that come our way absolutely yeah so um on the fourth of july which is a big deal in bradford little tiny bradford 1500 residents of bradford wow. so small little town um, to paint the picture, you know, we've had businesses leaving town. We had one mm-hmm. of two of the local stores closed down in the past 10 years. It's been on a downward slide in general. Young people moving away, not coming back. So on the 4th of July in 2015, we opened Sweet Beet Farm Stand, which is the retail arm of the Kearsarge Food Hub in general. Um, and we were met with incredible enthusiasm and support in our community. It was like... Something's been bubbling, nobody knew what to do, and then we actually put a name to what everybody was thinking about and yearning for, really, Mm. on a community level. It was awesome. We didn't know what we were in for. All these little things that we could never have planned, we just figured out on the fly how much do vegetables cost, you know? (laughs) That is a big one. Um, You know, we didn't have any lights in the farm stand, and people wanted to buy vegetables from us till 10 p.m. that night, you know, 4th wow. of July. It was our biggest sales day, like, ever. It was incredible. Best day ever. Um, and since then, you know, we, we operated out of the farm stand that summer, and then the summer after that. Um, and we just kept amassing a customer base, people really looking for local food, and not only that, but people coming in to chat and hang out and learn, you know, and us learning too, just constant research, constant learning process. Um, And the other thing that was really important is getting the support um, and trust of the farmers. Oh, yeah. Because they, you know, they've been, it's a hard business to be in farming, especially right now. Especially right now. There's so many obstacles, so many forces working against Mm -hmm. small to mid-sized farms they weren't exactly eager to jump into this new market and be like, yes, because they're skeptical, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, so we took, we've been taking all this time to build their trust, and um, we finally feel like we all are kind of on the same page about we need to open this new market channel through Sweetbeat and further market channels, hopefully through wholesale distribution, because one of the things holding up the local food movement kind of stalled is because it's saturated farmers Mm. markets csas they're wonderful and people love them and they work well for lots of farmers but if we really want to feed our communities on a daily basis and if we really want farming to be a viable career for more and more people which it should be yeah um we need new market channels Mm. and so a lot of what we've been doing is proving to people that that's important 
one because everyone's like we love farmers markets and we're like absolutely we love farmers markets too but there's more that mm-hmm. we can do to align supply and demand so that we're feeding people on the local level primarily absolutely that makes so much sense yeah uh, one figure that struck us was we produce maybe two percent of our own food in new hampshire all the rest is exported you know that we produce and all the rest that we consume is imported so there's a lot of work mm-hmm. to be done in localizing our That's very interesting our food system um, and our, our area, just like basically anywhere else in our country, has about two days' supply of food if the industrial supply chain were to be interrupted on a, on a large level. And if you think about every small detail that the industrial food chain is dependent on, the fossil fuel supply, the road systems, trucks, all of these things to get it from point A to 1,500 miles later, point mm-hmm. B, a lot can go wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Food sovereignty is so important. It's, and that's what you guys are creating, yeah. which is so beautiful. We find it to be probably the most important issue. Like whenever I'm on Facebook or anywhere and there's all, you know, tell us about your number one issue. It's localizing food production, 100%. And that's really taking the power back because if, you, if we can feed ourselves locally, then we are so less dependent on a lot of the things that we don't agree with on a larger scale. I 100% agree, 100%. You've just become so disconnected, you know. Yeah. It's having worked when I was working for the nonprofit on a farm, having people come and not realizing that that comes out of the ground. Yeah. You know, that's such a real thing. Yeah. It doesn't come from the store. It comes yeah, it from the dirt. Does it come from a bag? You know, <laughs> it gets put in a bag. Put in yeah. a bag by somebody. <laughs> but it's so crucial, and I, I am so appreciative of you all doing that work, and and so you were talking about the large community support Mm. and that's also something that I've learned a lot about is just the power of asking yeah that people are so willing to give if you ask yes and of course you you said like all these little things were coming in to alignment and when you're helping people when you're genuinely like putting yourself out there and helping people the universe is like yeah you got this give me some yeah, yeah for sure so supportive in ways that you could never anticipate if you were to you know try to plan everything to a t which i'm not against planning but some things have to evolve more organically Absolutely. and that's been a big part of our success for sure that's amazing yeah so hannah is doing this she kind of mentioned before with about five or six friends yeah close friends that you all have known each other since <laughs> what middle school high yep. school some all the way since middle school some high school and um one joined the team uh meeting one of us in in college so kind of all along the line but we have um lauren howard who's a transplant from maine she's the one we met <laughs> along the way um um franz han and pierre han um have lived in bradford you know, since they moved here from France when they were 10 and 13. So mm-hmm. um, they consider this home as well. Garrett Bauer has lived in Bradford his whole life, um, you know, born born and raised here. And um, B. Ross, who went to high school with us, moved away, who is our mm-hmm. mutual friend, um, and, and moved back home and joined the team. So it's definitely a group effort. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And those things can't be done alone because they're based on community yeah you know yeah. it's just having that perspective well that's like your quote in the beginning it's definitely about you know food sovereignty feeding ourselves and the, the health and the physicality of it but it's also the emotional connections that we're trying to forge here 
Totally. Um, because I'm sure this is a large part of what you talk about, but that is just as important to our health and well-being as what we put in our bodies. 100%. Yeah. 100%. My, my practice and how I've been taught is all about this concept of primary food and secondary food. Oh. And your primary food is your spiritual practice, your career, your relationships, and your physical activity. Oh, wow. Your secondary food is whatever's on your plate. Wow. So if this is all out of balance, it's not going to matter how much kale or how many carrots you're <laughs> juicing. You know, if you have, if you hate your job, if you're not in good standing in your relationships, if you have no alignment with like a larger power than yourself, right. you know, it's it's not going to matter. So. so. And that's, I mean, it's obviously deeply connected to all the other tragedies that we see happening. You know, people are arguing about the best measures to combat, you know, mm-hmm. suicide and drug addiction and school shootings and all these things. And I'm just urging anyone, whenever I get the chance to look deeper to the roots of why are we so unhappy? What's happening here? Because these are not isolated incidents. Mm-mm. And of course, we need to take practical measures now to, you know, help with those things but really bottom line is our connection with each other is sorely lacking yeah and that all comes from our disconnection with ourselves absolutely that's what looking outward (laughs) yeah that's what that's what this is all about earth body is like how we treat ourselves is how we treat other people is how we treat the world yes and by making that literal world human connection through food through our most intimate source of energy and life you know that what we choose goes into our body it really has aligned a lot more people with what's actually the problem exactly and for us not only the the food you put in your body but knowing who grew that food and the time that it takes and you said you did an internship on a farm Mm -hmm. I also did an internship on one of our you know core producers with the food hub the Kearsarge Gore farm I did a summer there and I was like man this is hard work and I just just created a whole other sense of um, gratitude for the people growing our food because it just it's it's so <laughs> yeah. it's so crazy how easy it looks in the grocery store. You know, oh, here's yeah. all of this food, here's all of this selection, and it's like you said, the disconnection is just at every turn. But it's not easy. It's really hard, and you really get to appreciate people and the hard work they do by knowing who grows your food. Yeah, it just tastes better. Totally. When yeah. you know when you know who woke up every day to water it and who spent the time seeding it and yeah. who had to harvest it for hours, you right. know, it it for me it tastes better. I agree. Especially when it you grow better. it yourself. Yeah. yeah. People don't realize that it's such it's not it's not easy, but it's not difficult. Right. Yeah. Like if you just have to have a little bit of common sense and just an understanding that if you take care of it, it'll it'll happen. happen. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of the oldest traditions humans have been doing. Um, yeah. Of course, we were hunter gatherers that going back, and then we settled and cre- you know created this way of life of controlling more of our environment, planting things. And, mm-hmm. But it's so deeply ingrained, and something we're really interested in on the farming aspect of the hub because that is one of our core pillars. Is we do run Sweet Beet Farm every year. We you know plant our start our seedlings. We build a high tunnel a grant funded high tunnel yeah go back to what she said about you know the the universe wants you to succeed if you ask for money if you look for funding so anybody listening now who is curious about how do I start a farm how do I do this if you look for funding you know google it the internet is our biggest like 
you know, help in this. You Google anything, um, you can find it. So we actually built a high tunnel grant funded, planted that with tomatoes that did crazy awesome last year. Um, applied for another grant for another high tunnel and just got applied. Uh, just got um, approved for Woo-hoo! that. Yow, yow. So we got another high tunnel coming. Um, like I said, all of the land that we've been farming has been given to us. Um, and, and I did mention farming is very hard work, but what we're really interested in is the design aspect of the farm and the permaculture mm. aspect of it. And how can you set up the farm so that it serves you best? So Absolutely. it doesn't have to be this backbreaking work that you just can't take a break from. If you set up, you know, the slope of your field so the water trickles a certain way. If you set up certain, you know, plants around your field to try to get pests to go away away and actually the beneficial insects to come and help you out like all of these things are connected and if we can just tap in a little bit to the natural systems by design then you know farming and growing food doesn't have to be the back-breaking work that absolutely not you work with nature i i don't know if you know but i also have my permaculture design certificate yes yes yeah and it's it's just makes so much sense and it's i think it's a lot of farmers have grown away from that traditional like intuitive way of farming because it's become so industrial because exactly. it's at such a large scale that it's difficult to implement those practices it's easier to just pour a bunch of chemicals on it right but it's a lot harder to plant intermittent trees so that those bugs don't spread or right. so you know well what we don't realize is it's it might be easier in that particular season but it's way harder in the long run because now we've created <laughs> all these issues for ourselves and i think it's, yeah. it's pretty characteristic of the way we approach problems in our hyper technology industrial era is mm-hmm. oh just throw a technological solution at it just throw a big machine at it this will fix it this will fix that and so slowing down a little bit and like we love the word design and systems in our group those are like our favorite words is if you just slow down and get to understand the system better a little leverage point here creates all this impact over here and it just takes that extra moment to pause Mm -hmm. and think about what you're doing and you do more work with less effort totally and who's not about that (laughs) (laughs) exactly so about it and you don't have to reinvent the wheel which is a beautiful thing is that there's so many people that have been doing it like this for so long that they've really made it clear you know but with the different different bioregions different places are obviously very so much absolutely so much but um like i mentioned our research phase will never end in this group and in our operation um and we have so many books and influential farmers and philosophers and people who whose work we just really try to take and use. I mean, we're, like you said, not reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to do something novel and crazy and new. We're trying to do something that works. And if that means listening to other people, of course it does. Listen to other people. What did they try? Try that. You know, if it didn't try, if it didn't work exactly right in your place, tweak it. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, there's so much, there's a wealth of information and expertise out there to find. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the beautiful part about it is that those people want to share it. Yes. The people who people. matter want to share. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they want to make it more of a common practice. So. Yes. Because it's for everybody's best interest. If, totally. Yeah. You can grow so much on a small... You can grow so much in an apartment. Yeah. You know? It's like... On a ledge. In the windowsill. Like, at least your greens and your herbs. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but... Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm so so grateful that you all are doing this. I didn't know I had that was a really interesting statistic that only New Hampshire only has two percent grows two percent. Yeah. So so one thing that um, we've been guided by this kind of idea. Uh, it's 
brought forth by something called Food Solutions New England of the Sustainability Institute at the University of New Hampshire. They do great work. Um, oh, that sounds awesome. And it's um, this initiative. It's called 50 by 60. And what it is is it's this whole kind of program and network to encourage New England to produce 50% of its food by 2060. Wow. Right. So that's a dramatic change, but it's totally possible. And if we have all these partners coming together, which is definitely happening, you have the universities doing the research, you have, you know, these food hub type operations popping up, building the infrastructure, you have the farmers getting supported more than they ever have been, and you have the consumers and these institutions demanding local food, then it that's can definitely so happen. That's so cool. Yeah. I had no idea that yeah. was a bigger picture thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We all need, we always need that bigger picture thing to kind of cling to (laughs) like where where are we going with this totally on the hard days when Mm -hmm. not many people are coming in Mm -hmm. you're putting all this work in it's like oh yeah yeah right there is a bigger overarching goal here it's so much bigger than you know the daily grind so much bigger than that yeah um but now it's exciting so we did those those two summers at sweet beet farm stand hand built totally on the fly hand built vegetable cooler you know just running around like crazy people um really enjoying it too (laughs) um and then we got this opportunity to move into this old building in bradford it's the old bradford inn it was sitting idle for about 10 to 15 years uh was going to be turned into apartments that fell through um and so a couple guys in town here mike bauer and mike james bought the building and they wanted to partner with us because they believe in our mission they believe Mm. in community and local food and so um, we moved our Sweet Beet farm stand into this building, you know, rebranded a Sweet Beet market because our ultimate goal is to be a year-round, reliable, local food market um, that people can count on. Mm-hmm. So we moved into this indoor space um, and we spent um, two summers or maybe we're going into our second summer there now, but it's been an amazing transformation and and beyond that what we're trying to do in this new space this old in um 10,000 square feet by the way three three huge levels huge and beautiful it's giant it needs a lot of love so we're <laughs> we're ready um you have a cafe moving in we do right? we're, we're partnering with a couple ladies in town who wanted to do a cafe and really weave it into the local food scene they can take some of our market waste make a nice soup out of it perfect you know try to close some of those loopholes um, and something we always wanted as well was a commercial kitchen so that we could do some light food processing. And, and because one of our big things is definitely um, eliminating waste along the supply chain because that is one of the very unfortunate, as you definitely know, one of the very unfortunate consequences of the industrial food chain is there's so much waste at every turn. So much waste. So much waste. Yeah, so we want to try to, you know, pick up all those pieces as, as often as possible and, you know, make the pesto and make the soups and freeze the berries and all of these things that can help us to get the most out of what we're growing around here. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we raised $30,000 about. Wow. It was so big for us. It was awesome. Everyone was super eager. How did you do that? To pitch in. Um, we, I did some, I'm kind of the one to lead the the way on kind of the marketing and that kind of thing so i researched different crowdfunding platforms um anybody can crowdfund you don't have to be a nonprofit. we are a nonprofit organization but you do not have to be one you can ask for money for anything mm-hmm. um but we wanted to find the right platform so we ended up um using this one recommended to us by a fellow nonprofit here in town it's called um chuffed.org and chuffed it it was 
British-based. I think there's a couple different headquarters now, but chuffed means happy um, in kind of the British kind of <laughs> slang. Chuffed. Chuffed. Such a silly word. I'm chuffed. Um, so this, this was kind of a grassroots crowdfunding platform. They are so supportive and involved and invested and, you know, helpful little emails come your way. You can have a video chat with someone. They don't take any of your money that you raise. They themselves run off of donations. So when, when somebody's going to donate to your campaign, a little screen pops up. Would you like to donate this percent or this amount to Chuff so they can continue doing the great work they're doing? That's awesome. Super cool. Super cool. Um, and you can be anybody to, to run a campaign on there. So we set up a little campaign. It was called, um, and we still call this ongoing project, but uh, the Bradford Innovation Project. Innovation. Innovation. The Bradford <laughs> Inn, right? Little play on words. Um, but super applicable because we're kind of just creating it as we go. Um, so we ran the campaign for two months. I think we extended it a little bit because it was, it was so successful and people wanted to give. So, yep. And just really hopped on social media emails, um, in our market. We asked for donations and did some, um, little TV spots here and there, a little radio action, just getting the word out and people jumped in and they were super excited. And not only did that raise the money that we're going to use, and we are using now for renovations in the building to get the kitchen going, to get the, mm-hmm. the cafe in there. Um, but it also raised awareness of what we're doing. So now people are super jazzed up about it. Yay! Yeah, it's super exciting. Oh. Um, so this summer we're going to have a big thank you party once all the renovations are done. Hopefully you're going to have a grand reopening of the whole space. Um, but this is just the first floor. So... We're trying to get the first floor up and running. Then we have floor two and floor three. Um, just the first just floor. Just the first floor. Just the beginning. So it's exciting. And and we're hoping to do um, more rounded kind of wellness right. activities right, right. in the building. Tell and us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. We're all super excited about it. Um, you know, wellness through yoga, wellness through artistic expression, maybe a shared art studio. You have a pottery wheel and shared art supplies. Um, we have a potter who moved to town. She's Sum- amazing. Sumas. Yeah, everyone's singing her praises. She's an incredible woman. Um, her her husband, Don Moss, actually helped us develop our new logos and rebrand our whole thing. So very talented, wonderful, giving couple. Moved to Bradford just in time to help us and be a part of everything that we're doing. Um, so Sue has a pottery wheel. She'll be interested in giving pottery lessons. Many people are interested in yoga. Many people with certifications have come and would like to teach classes. Mm. Um, and, you know, other ideas, maybe a, a combined kind of wellness package. You can do, you know, color therapy, aromatherapy, all these mm. different kinds of things. Um, and beyond that, a little more practically... Um, for for the building's sake is shared workspace or individual offices for for businesses in town who want to come rent a little office space um, and really get that community in there. Yeah, get the community in there. Get you know get the economy flowing. We want young people who do have a tendency to run a podcast, start their own business. Mm-hmm. They need a space to come do their work. And the benefit of having all of us together in this building is you know bouncing ideas off of each other. How can we? work together what kind of collaborations can come from that it's super exciting and it'll get the income flowing for the building because that's an important thing too <laughs> absolutely that is crucial yes that's crucial mm. oh it's fantastic so we've talked about so much but yeah. right before <laughs> before we wrap up 
I just want to know how it's been for you. I know you have two little ones, a fresh new little one. Yes. Um, How it's been having kids in this environment and if you've noticed, you know, if them growing up in this environment has had any effect or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we started the food hub, I kind of my 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 life path took a turn. Um, My now husband and I. Uh, found out we were expecting um, a sweet little surprise very amazing so we you know instead of going off and and traveling we, we put our roots down here where we grew up and we're like okay this is our spot um, and before the food hub was even a thing I was super into local food so um, I got a CSA one summer and wrote a blog about how to you know cook certain things what do you do with a black radish what do you right. do with a Jerusalem <laughs> artichoke like what are these things because um, it was just super duper important for me on a personal level to have my family completely engaged in local food and aware of and excited about vegetables and healthy eating from the beginning so that it's not a struggle. Right. Um, and then we started the Food Hub and it's beyond words the acceptance and the enthusiasm that all of the people that I work with have had for my family. Um, I'm the only one with kids in our group so far, and sometimes that can be a little alienating, you know. You have this whole other level of responsibility, um, but at the same time, everyone's so welcoming and, you know. So loving. Bring, you know, Chase is my my eldest. He's four now, and uh, farmer friends, you know, they're just like, bring Chase to the farm. I would bring Chase to work with me, and I more times than I can count he would pull a beet out of the ground covered in dirt and just take a bite out of it <laughs> and everyone's like yeah Chase and I'm like that's my kid man I'm super super proud and for him I'm just so grateful that that's the norm for him and he's you know been in the farm stand and seen all the vegetables and you can ask him anything any vegetable what is it he knows it's awesome that's incredible uh, how old is he he's four. he's four he's four <laughs> he just turned four now so he's an, um, an amazing kid and I definitely believe that his nutrition is a giant part of his healthy development and um, very grateful that there have been a minimal amount of chemicals or outside influences he's been very local the upbringing, not only with what he consumes, but with all the relationships that we have going on. Mm. So for him, what he sees is friends solving problems. Mm. It's not yes. always easy working with your friends. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it for anyone. That also takes a lot of work. Totally worth it. Um, but for him to have that example of, you know, we didn't just go out and get a job because we needed to make money. Uh-huh. Of course we need to make money and support ourselves. And that's been a struggle sometimes starting the food hub. But what we really need to do is solve interesting problems and work together doing that. And I'm super grateful Chase gets to see that. And now I have a two-month-old, and she's so squishy and sweet. And um, I'm just so excited for what the future holds for her as well. All these Absolutely. All these it's going to be, like, established when she is yeah. a little, like, older and conscious. Yeah. She's going to grow up in that space. We have the art space going. We have all these things, you know, go hang out on the farm for a day, get dirty, take, you know, there's so many options. I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky that uh, my family can grow up alongside with the, the business growing as well. It's That's been a blessing. Beautiful. Yeah. And and you are firsthand helping teach the youth, this right. next generation that's yeah. going to need to pick up the slack, you know? More than it, us even, yeah. you know? We, we're the generation who are really oh, waking up to the needs of what our daily lives need to feed into what the whole world needs um and we're really waking up and then this next generation i try not to think about it too much you know it's a lot to a lot to take in but yeah they're gonna have their hands full Mm -hmm. solving even bigger problems 
just gotta help prepare them as much as we can. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I have I have full hope for sure. But you just have to do what you know is the right thing to do, and they pick up on it. They pick up on more than what you tell them with your words. They pick up on what you do every day. So I see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> little sponges. <laughs> Seriously, when I was looking at your little one last night, just taking in everything. Everything. Everything with those big eyes. We yeah. don't even realize it. Awesome. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, before we hop off, I just want you to share how to best find out about Kearsarge Food Hub yes. and Sweepy and there's anything going on that yes that needs to definitely be um, I highly encourage everybody to check us out on Facebook Kearsarge Food Hub and Sweet Beet Market both have their own Facebook pages um, as well as Instagram accounts and we try to be quite active on there pictures are you know worth everything so come see for yourselves what we're all about uh, our website is a wealth of information kearsargefoodhub.org um, and hopefully looking to build more resources into that website as well so that you can learn all about the farmers we work with. We work with, you know, 40 farmers and producers. We want you to be able to learn about them. In a how us. many mile radius? In about a 30 mile radius wow. here. Yeah, so, and it's growing, ever growing. Um, and we want to help consumers find resources about how to educate themselves on what they're buying, what labels mean, what organic means, all of these things. So navigate through the website. You can find out all that stuff and much more to come. Um, and like I said, the Bradford Innovation Project started with our fundraiser. It's happening in this big building, and we're hopefully going to have a grand reopening of our market, Yay. a local food cafe, and a shared-use kitchen and event space happening sometime midsummer. Um, and from there on out, we hope to have more and more events. You know, music, poetry. We have Odds Bodkin here in town. He's a master storyteller, and we're gonna. We started last year with an annual Halloween event where he tells oh, spooky stories. Fun. It's like the best. So that'll ha happen, you know, in in October and beyond that. Just stay tuned to our social media channels and our website, and you can learn more about how to get involved. Cool. Thank you so much, Hannah. And a lot of that will be in the show notes, so you can check it out too. Easily accessible. Awesome. Well, awesome. That was. That was so great. <laughs> I've known about this project, but now I really feel like I have an even deeper understanding and I didn't know the gratitude could get more, but <laughs> thank you so much My for doing what you pleasure. do yes. and for pushing forward and asking for asking. Yeah. My pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for the next episode. Have a great day evening, weekend, life, journey. <laughs>